podcast exploring the stories of people who cook from the heart, inspired by my nanny who taught me what cooking for love meant. I'm Kate Mobley and this week I'll be chatting to Rab Brown. Rab is an NHS doctor based in Manchester but in his spare time he runs the Instagram account Rab Cooks where he showcases all his lovely food. I love his Boys at Home series where he shows what him and his fiance Vic cook for dinner. They always look amazing and I love how each plate is always so nicely styled. Um, you always seem to make really lovely things when I'm having a rubbish dinner. <laughs> so I always get really jealous. He also regularly makes better brunches than what you can find at restaurants, highlighting how uncreative a lot of places can be with their menus and showing what potential there is. I love the look of his challah French toast with kimchi and gruyere and the buffalo frickles with scotch pancakes and blue cheese. That was, made me very hungry. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for news of his first pop-up or supper club, so once this is released, make sure to pester him. Rab, welcome to Cooking for Love. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And uh, also thank you for the delicious lunch we just had. So the people listening can, uh, can't see it, but it was uh, a spectacle. Aw, <laughs> thank you. That's very kind. I have to feel like we have to have a meal together before we podcast. <laughs> just, just the rules. Um, this is my first podcast with like someone I hadn't met before in an interview. So thank you for being the first one oh, thanks. Um, it's really nice to finally meet you we've been chatting for so long mm. like on instagram but yeah. it's like funny when you feel like you know someone but you don't yeah. i think especially like on food instagram i think maybe just because it's quite personal yeah. like you know it's kind of intimate um you really do feel like you know people and yeah. you've been at their house for dinner weirdly <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> Yeah, like through your whole like bathroom refurb slash garden, <laughs> garden redo, I'm like, I feel like I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was uh, that was too much. Uh, actually, <laughs> no, I was there. I was there for the content. Um, so I always kick off by starting um, by asking people, "What have you cooked recently that you that made you excited?" Oh, okay. So I think. Um, People that do follow my Instagram will see that I actually have done very little cooking recently because I'm uh, going through a messy period of my life. Mm-hmm. But um, something that I made quite recently that I really enjoyed was um, mole, the sort mm-hmm. of a Mexican sauce. Yeah. And um, I think it's one of those things that I always found a bit kind of um, intriguing, but didn't really have a place where I could like sample it. You know, I hadn't been to Mexico and maybe just like uh you know my side of town or in edinburgh there aren't really places where you can have kind of authentic mexican food mm-hmm. so I just yeah, it's never on the menu yeah like, yeah you don't see it being used that often in mexican dishes here yeah i guess it's not like um i feel like british people have like a very uh, specific version of mexican food mm-hmm. that's like sort of um uni potluck fajitas yeah like, <laughs> Which I love, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to slag off at all, um, but it was, uh, so it was always something a bit kind of mysterious to me, mm. um, so I did like a bit of a deep dive on uh, different recipes, I watched so many like abuelitas like on mm. YouTube making um, their mole recipes, and found out about all the different regional variations as well, mm. of which there are many, um, and uh, sort of just kind of experimented with a couple of different ones, and um yeah, it's it's really fab. It's so like up my street because mm-hmm. it's kind of um like sticky and smoky, and uh, has like a bit of heat. 
and I think it's just really different. It's mm-hmm. just like um, it doesn't really taste like anything that we're really used to, and it's been really better. What is a mole? Okay. That's like a basic. I'm definitely not the authority to answer no, that, but, but... Like, just to give us <laughs> an idea of like what goes into it. So uh, basically, it's a it's a sauce, mm-hmm. and uh, you can use it in different contexts. Like you could have it um, kind of quite classically drizzled on like a, a chicken leg would be one. Mm-hmm. You could have it with like um, like kind of Mexican style beans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so it's, it can be used as like the foundation of a dish. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very versatile. Um, there's lots of very uh, sorry. There's lots of like regional variation, but I think usually when we see like mole um, outside of Mexico, and certainly when I've made it, we're talking about a specific kind called mole poblano, um, which okay. is a like a very kind of a typical mole that you'd have. Mm-hmm. And the way you make that is basically by frying um, like. A mixture of those like fabulous Mexican chilies mm. that are like kind of dried and a bit kind of charred. Like ancho, yeah. habanero, guajillo. <laughs> I'm just testing all the dish. I'm reaching the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so you fry those, and then basically you just come up with a little like um, production line of you've got like a a pot of oil and a blender and a bowl and you basically go through stages so you will blend your fried chilies pop them in a bowl then you'll like fry some seeds like uh sunflower seeds um sesame seeds uh you could use things like uh kind of uh, roasted peanuts Mm -hmm. those sorts of things fry them blend them in the bowl make like a salsa um of like Mm -hmm. charred vegetables Mm -hmm. blend it in the bowl fry bits of like tortilla or like old kind of like baguette almost blend it in the bowl mix it all together and then once you've done that then you transfer it back into a pot of oil and you fry the sauce yeah Um, so it's labor intensive it's labor intensive well um it's definitely ingredient intensive Mm -hmm. um but once you've got the like once you've done that kind of initial production line bit then you just are like simmering it for a couple of hours Mm -hmm. and that gives you all your time to do like your other bits and bobs Mm -hmm. for the meal um or do what i did uh the last time i made it which was i just made an absolute ton like an unbelievable amount really for a home cook and um i just put it in different vessels and then froze it nice um and it was really helpful because i had some friends coming to stay with me and i was had just finished like night shifts and i really wasn't in a good place to cook but all i had to actually cook was like the things to go with mm-hmm. it and it seemed like something i put loads of effort into yeah um and i got all the kudos for it which is the important bit that is important um, yeah. that's i love that kind of thing where it's like okay i put effort into this for the next couple hours but I'll get a lot of reward from it mm. like if you eat certain um Zoss when I interviewed her last week she mentioned she made um like a cow soy paste Ooh. and then froze it okay. so it's like that kind of thing where it's like it's quite labor intensive to start with but then mm. you have a few meals from it yeah. which is quite nice and you just feel like the best person when you're defrosting yeah. it. Oh, it's just something I rustled together yeah. like well, this old thing like, yeah. <laughs> oh such a good feeling that Mine is, along the Mexican theme as well, I made uh, cheese tamales Oh my for the goodness. first time. With the, like, corn husk and... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, was... that, that's labour-intensive, right? It was more labour-intensive yeah. than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I... So I used um, 
Easter's recipe from um, her and Ostrolenghi's book, Flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I haven't done any research, but maybe it's not an authentic way to make it. But it's just, like, sweet corn blended, and then you mix that with the masa mm-hmm. flour. Um, and then you steam it. Like, you make little parcels, and then you stuff it with cheese, and then you steam it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was really good. And the cheese is like, um, like like Oaxaca cheese or, how, you sh- yeah, that's the okay. proper cheese. But I just used mozzarella and feta. Fair enough, because like I'm sort of still trying to figure out what my preferred substitute for yeah. what I can actually get, and yeah. I've been using like I don't know, like feta and stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't really know what to do. Yeah, I think feta um. is like the classic substitute for a little bit, but. <laughs> In um, speaking of Mexican f- food, have you been to that Mexican shop in Edinburgh? I know we both um, lived there. Yes. The um, what is it called? Oh my goodness! Oh, that's gonna really that's, annoy me. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I used to go there, and you can get um, fresh Mexican cheese. You can get freshly made um, uh, tortillas, mm-hmm. like all that sort of stuff. It's really good. Um, that is really gonna bug me. What that's called? But yeah, yeah. it's. Um, but I haven't found anywhere like it in Manchester. Mm-hmm. But it was like where you could go and get really good chili sauces, really good dried chilies. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you couldn't be bothered to make um, tacos, you could go and buy them there. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, um, I think um, it's just one of those not to plug Edinburgh as like a sort of a <laughs> tourism thing, but it's just uh, it's just great for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. Maybe Manchester just needs to up its uh, Mexican food game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mexican restaurants in Edinburgh are quite good as well. Mm. Um, but like, um, uh, did you ever go to Bodega? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and um, El Cartel. Oh, that was my favourite. Yeah, so good. Mm. Let's just turn into like an Edinburgh food yeah. podcast. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> Edinburgh is amazing. Um, I love Manchester as well. Yeah. Um, so before we, I ask you about cooking for love and things, I really wanted to ask you about um, Vic's mum's Rotleys okay. because yeah. they've been a fascination of mine <laughs> they always look exactly the same and mm. um, where does she send them from I feel in my head they come from like a far distance like down from London or I don't know where she lives I but... mean yeah they all come all the way from Cambridge basically. wow <laughs> And you and, always uh, have constant supply. Yeah. Um, so she came to visit us quite soon after I moved in. And um, I'd had her, her Rotleys before. Um, but she was like, she brought me a, oh goodness, I, I can't remember exactly what it's called. But it's sort of like a kind of wooden, um, like raised chopping board type thing. And that's what you used to roll it on. Right. And she got me a special, like, uh, Rotley rolling pin. <laughs> Is it like a normal rolling pin or? I'm told, and I'm no expert, that it's um that it's apparently like a called like a French rolling pin, so it's like chunkier in the middle and right. thinner at the ends. You get there's an Italian one as well for pasta that's like that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like that and she basically said, um, I'm gonna teach you how to make it and I was like, Yes, quids in, I've got like mm. a free workshop nice. on how to make them. Um but the I made the like uh um, incorrect assumption that I would be able to make them as well as her who's been making them <laughs> since she was 12 years old. <laughs> um, 
So all of mine still look like Australia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Hers are perfectly round. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're uniform. And she does this amazing thing as well where um, she, um, her rolling technique, I think maybe you just need to see like a video of it. As she rolls it, because she puts uneven pressure on one side of the rolling pin, that spins the roti without her lifting off the thing. It is unbelievable. That is unreal. It has to be seen to be believed, really. Yeah. What kind of bread is it? Um. So I think so. Uh, rotli, I think, is a like a Gujarati word. Um. Right. But it kind of means the same as like a roti oh, or okay. a chapati. Yeah. Okay. Um. So kind of like a flat like disc of bread, and we normally just have it where kind of a I guess like a dry roasted, as in just in a dry pa- mm-hmm. a frying pan. But um, she also makes this incredible thing for breakfast where she takes the the uh, rotli and then she like fries it in quite a lot of oil and then she covers it in like salt and chili flakes and then you like snap it off and you dip it in chai. Oh. It's so good. <laughs> it's such oh a treat gosh. because it's like fried bread for breakfast, yeah. but it's really good. <laughs> it feels really wholesome. Yeah. Oh. That sounds amazing. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad I've heard about it. <laughs> whenever you have them, I'm like, oh, that's so lucky. Well, I need to have you round and I'll make sure we've got some fresh ones oh, in. I'd love that. So you mentioned to me before that you were a cookery teacher slash yeah. like food workshop host. Before. That was that. What, um, <laughs> what was that? That was a really strange... Uh, period of my life um so I was just I was a student in Edinburgh and I was just doing like my little foodie bits that I do which is basically limited to taking photos of my food and posting it on the internet very nice photos thank you (laughs) I wouldn't scroll back too far the the quality (laughs) really goes off a cliff (laughs) I would say that for me as well most people um but I just randomly got a, a a dm one day from someone at Airbnb mm-hmm. and they basically said like um we'd like to to involve you in a project we've got coming up and uh would you like to meet with us so I went to meet them at a coffee shop it was pre-pandemic so you met people in person mm-hmm. it's great and uh they basically told me that um you've you've probably heard of like Airbnb experiences mm-hmm. um so for people that don't know it's instead of like renting a you know a accommodation from Airbnb you are signing up for a um a workshop or some sort of activity that's led by like a resident of that city and from my understanding of it it's been a few years um that scheme had existed in big cities but they wanted to a pilot to see would it work in a smaller city like you know is it is it doable and edinburgh was being used as like a pilot cool. and it's uh, a really cool idea yeah I, I mean i've done them myself yeah. i think they're so much fun mm-hmm. um i did a like a, a cycling tour in copenhagen which was great and I tried to go to a like patisserie workshop in Copenhagen as well, but I like went out the night before. Oh no! And I came home at the time that the workshop started. Uh. And I passed out, and it was a disaster. <laughs> but it sounded really good in the description. <laughs> I hoped the night out was good enough to negate. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's a really it's a really good concept, and uh, so they basically said like we will. Because it's like a pilot, we will um, support you with making it rather than normally. I think hosts just kind of do the whole thing mm-hmm. themselves, which is amazing. But um, so they like sent a photographer around to my flat to like take photos oh, of me and my friends okay. cooking. 
and they kind of helped me with thinking about like the margins and stuff like mm-hmm. that which is really good and um, we had to come up with a, a niche mm-hmm. and uh, so my my whole spiel is basically and you all know this from living in Edinburgh that like um, Edinburgh isn't necessarily that reflective of the rest of Scotland culturally maybe yeah, yeah. and uh, I think that extends to food mm-hmm. so um, if you go to like Scottish themed restaurants in Edinburgh they're using all the like really fabulous ingredients of the Scottish larder like langoustine and venison and stuff Mm. but like growing up in Scotland I didn't really eat stuff like that I wish (laughs) yeah exactly Um, it's quite like out the reach of of most people Mm -hmm. but there are like very distinct Scottish dishes that don't follow that at all and are really nice in their own kind of humble way and uh, the whole kind of idea behind it is that um, you know if you're coming over to someone's house for a a workshop which is very much the vibe we're going for um, then you wouldn't be eating like fancy food anyway. You'd mm-hmm. be eating something a bit more kind of humble and rustic. And we decided just to make it um, vegetarian just because then it's like it's even more accessible mm-hmm. to people. So we made um, uh, vegetarian haggis from scratch. Wow, um, nice. Yeah, which is actually so good. I genuinely prepare, uh, prefer it to the meat one. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Um, so we'd have that with like... Uh, like spiced neeps and instead of uh, like mashed potato which would be like the normal accompaniment mm-hmm. we made uh, like tatty scones or like potato scones oh cool nice which I just prefer yeah um, what to mashed potato? yeah oh yeah I think mashed potato mm, doesn't do it for me whoa uh, okay yeah. I like to chew I don't know <laughs> yeah fair enough I do feel like it's a very non-chewy meal. <laughs> but I like yeah. that, though, like, as a... Because I always, like, try and think of a twist on haggis meats and tatties, but... Oh, yeah, I would say do a, do a like, tatty scone. Mm. Um, plus, you can sort of, like, use it to scoop up everything onto. Yeah. Almost a little, that. kind of, little taco type thing. Yeah. <laughs> Scottish taco. <laughs> um, so we did that. We made um, chippy sauce, which... Nice. Uh, if there's a very Edinburgh thing, it's basically like a, a specific brand of brown sauce and then you like water it down with like vinegar and lots of salt and uh, it's basically like how could we make this even less healthy than it already yeah. was. Um, and how then... did that go down with people who haven't <laughs> grown up with chippy sauce? So the, like the overwhelming majority of people that attended my workshop were like solo travellers from America. Right. And um, I don't know if it's just because like generally American people are so lovely and polite and like full of life Mm -hmm. but the feedback seemed really good good. and uh, they seemed quite excited by what was going on it helped that it was a very boozy workshop Mm -hmm. Um, so like as soon as people arrived we like very much set the tone with like woo popping bottles like oh no oh it sounds so fun it really was such a good laugh it was so lovely Um, there was two people that attended my workshop that really like hit it off and then they went out for a date afterwards (gasps) So beautiful. Oh my god, yeah. that's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's so beautiful and cookie for love. Yeah. <laughs> Actual yeah. cookie for love. There was, a, there was another time where we slightly modified the workshop so it wasn't for Scottish food. It was to make um, kimchi and we made like kimchi dumplings mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, and it was for my friend Alice, um, who is also kind of does like a food influencer type mm-hmm. stuff for her birthday. And we just got absolutely mangled. Um, we ordered, there was like this drinks delivery service and we ordered tequila and limes and stuff like that to the to the workshop venue. 
we got absolutely tanked up on that. And then we went out to this gay club afterwards, like the people <laughs> from the workshop, but they all had their uh, jars of kimchi with them. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the, the bouncer, the bouncer was this like, really scary person, and she was like, what's in your bags? Get open your bags. And then I remember like, Alice being like, it's my jar of kimchi. <laughs> And the bouncer being like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. We actually have a photo of like us in the club with, like the, with the jars of kimchi. <laughs> I mean, it's all good. You need all the different uh, yeasts <laughs> <laughs> in the air at the club. It would have really yeah. added to the The temperature flavor. definitely yeah. kick-started the fermentation. <laughs> that is so, so funny. The whole thing was just like um, it was the most fun I've ever had doing it. I can't believe it was like work. It was uh, yeah. it was great, and uh, you know if I could think of something that would work here, like a mm. because uh, I don't think a, a haggis workshop is going to mm. work in Manchester, but um, it was so much fun. I'd love to do something similar again. Yeah, I've um, tried to get people on the haggis, and they're very really because yeah. of the squeamishness. I do don't you think? know. I think mm. like I hadn't had it before going to Scotland, and I think it's just not like you just don't have it in England as much obviously yeah. but I think yeah I've got we've got people coming around for Burns Night tomorrow night mm-hmm. on Friday um uh, but I've got veggie haggis as well so fair mm. do you know what I think veggie haggis is great yeah, like, yeah it is really good um it just feels like it's its own thing it just feels like a better vegetarian sausage like, yeah, yeah true um I don't know I feel like haggis will be like the next thing to become like posh like oh maybe mm. yeah because i feel like black pudding had a bit of a rebrand yeah. as like a bit more of a kind of mm. um not like upmarket but like a foodies ingredient yeah and then maybe like maybe that's in store for haggis i hope so <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say no to like more haggis like, no. <laughs> so when did you learn to cook then so this was when you're at uni you were doing yeah so did have you cooked since you were younger or not really. Um, my mum was like a really good cook and um, she used to make everything for us mm-hmm. and I was never expected to like help with any of that. Um, but then all of a sudden I found myself uh, not at home mm-hmm. and oh my goodness, I don't know how to feed myself. Um, this is a very common theme on yeah. this podcast, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a, I don't know, it's quite a, a strange thing that you all of a sudden go from having, like, no life skills to just mm-hmm. being plonked on your own. And, yeah. Um, and I basically started my food Instagram because I couldn't cook, but I had a lot of fun trying. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, especially like, uh, at uni, because you do a lot of... Um, cooking for your friends, your flatmates, um, so many potlucks. Mm, um, endless potlucks. <laughs> do you know what I've like, talked about that with other people who went to, who went to like different universities and people were like, no, there weren't lots of potlucks. Really? Is yeah. it an Edinburgh thing? I think this is an Edinburgh thing. Oh, yeah. it's so good though. Especially like people I know that went to like London like medical schools whenever I'm like, oh, so many potlucks. And I've just been like, that's not a thing at all. <laughs> So maybe we need to explain that for people who don't know. A potluck dinner when we were at uni in Edinburgh um, is when you just you have a dinner party, but because everyone's poor, you can't <laughs> afford to cook for a whole lot of people. So everyone just brings what is supposed to be one dish for everyone, so everyone gets there's enough food. But obviously, everyone brings loads of whatever they bring, so it just ends up being a really weird mix match yeah. of lots of food. 
we had this um we had this tutorial group once where we all got on like a house on fire and we decided that we would um do a potluck but we didn't do it right we we got like the logistics wrong and so normally you just would bring like something that comes in a tray like Mm -hmm. a i don't know like a, a classic um thing would be like someone brings dal or someone yeah, brings yeah. vegan chili. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but we did we divvied it up into courses, and there's five of us. And um, but we we forgot that you're only really you're supposed to bring enough food to replace what you're going to eat. Yeah. But what we actually did was inadvertently make a five course <laughs> dinner, <laughs> um, and it just became this legendary thing because like by the time we'd had the first three courses we were all knackered it was at my flat and we had really big sofas and we all just sort of were strewn out and someone fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) and then we had to be like right wake up it's like one o'clock in the morning we need to do the two dessert courses now (laughs) and we made it an an annual thing basically where but then after that it was like oh we're having our it was called our icp dinner party because that was the name of our tutorial like oh we're having that so I'm not allowed to eat all day (laughs) (laughs) so you just gorge yourself (laughs) yeah I feel like like second and third year you're just getting into the potluck and then second year you have like complete disasters where everyone brings a pudding and then by fourth year everyone knows right we're having potluck let's tell each other what we're bringing (laughs) yeah um so yeah so I think that was like how I was getting into it and Mm -hmm. uh and I certainly had lots of failures myself definitely and I was so skint that just nothing was like... Well, everything was vegan, mm-hmm. effectively, because um, that was so much cheaper. Everything was chickpea-based. Yeah, <laughs> so many legumes yeah. and <laughs> pulses. And then, yeah, just Rab Cooks kind of just uh, stumbled out of that. And uh, I was kind of secretive about it because it was quite lame in those days to post photos of your food mm-hmm. on the internet. Arguably still is. <laughs> So, um, so I was very secretive about it, but then eventually it, it came out um, that I was living a Hannah Montana style, <laughs> uh, duplicitous lifestyle. And uh, what with an Instagram with your name? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of a wonder that secret got out. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you just experimented because I feel like you're a very well accomplished cook, but. Do you just, like, with the mole, do you do, like, deep dives into certain things that you just Mm -hmm. fancy and then teach yourself how to make it? Basically, I think we're so lucky now with Mm -hmm. how easy it is to to just get, like, a wealth of information from the internet. And also, um, I just love how you're sort of cutting out the middleman sometimes of, like, um, maybe in the past, maybe you could have gone and bought, like, a Mexican cookbook, but you've got to think, like, um, that so many people that aren't the chef would have had input into this like Mm -hmm. it would have been is this marketable for a British audience and Mm -hmm. things being translated and stuff like that and I love now um that I can just go into like TikTok and it's actually people in Mexico sharing stuff um Vic always talks about how um he sort of like grew up watching people like Madder Jaffrey and stuff Mm -hmm. like that which are kind of quite like polished cooks And he said, I can't get recipes from my mum because whenever mum tells me how to make something, she says, a bit of this, a bit of that, mm-hmm. do it for until it's done. Yeah. 
and he's like, well, that's not really helpful. Yeah. So he's like, he always says, oh, what I do is I go into YouTube and I find the aunties and the aunties will tell me how to do it. <laughs> and I think I've been kind of inspired by that. Yeah, that's um, such a good way. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get on that because that's, yeah, you get it from the source. Yeah. And it's just not being like filtered, which mm-hmm. has its problems in that we are frantically looking for substitutes for Mexican cheese. Mm-hmm. But um, it also, I don't know, um, I think it, it just brings you closer to, to what you think it's meant to be. And also, it should be that way around, that you are that you know this substitute is a substitute. Mm. Whereas if you just had a British-Mexican recipe book that said feta, mm. you wouldn't know that that's not authentic. Yeah, yeah. If it was up front and it gave you options, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, this is what it should be, but this is maybe what I'd suggested, you can't get that. Yeah. But I think a lot of time it doesn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. Um, so what kind of food did you have growing up? Um, well, my mum sounds like a very, <laughs> very good cook. She's great. Um, she's also such a character as well. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> but when I was like, uh, when I was like a really young kid, um, the way my parents like organised their work and childcare was that um, sometimes my mum would have us during the daytime and my dad would have us at night, and they would swap over so my mum could like go to her twilight shift sort of thing Mm -hmm. and um that was always really funny because if we'd been having like most of the week with my mum and she would be making us like all these like just really nice and homely things and then as soon as it was my dad who was with us in the evening then we used to have like a fried egg and oven chips (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes like a slice of ham if it was like luxurious Like nice ham or no, like a watery ham. Like yeah, like a ham that um, I don't know you'd get in like a like a sort of school dinner. Type. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and he used to get us as well these. I don't know if this is only a thing in Scotland, but there's a brand of sausages called Wee Willy Winkies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, try not to think too much of it as an adult. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really inappropriate. Um, but they're basically like these really skinny, um, really like anemic-looking sausages. Oh, they're like pink ones. They're kind of like um, like a really unappetizing like grey. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. And um, there's no like from maybe it's just the way that I used to have them cooked for me. But from what I remember, like they only go from uncooked grey to black like right. like totally charred there's mm, no in between okay um so certainly i do we ate our fair share of uh, my dad's dinners mm-hmm. <laughs> but then then when it was my mum's turn to cook i don't know it just everything was really homely very different from when i used to go over to like my friends houses mm-hmm. um i've been like a snob from a young age like, about <laughs> food. um and like i didn't eat potato smileys at my oh, mum's really? house but then when I went to other people's I was just like you're just having this and ketchup and that's dinner yeah <laughs> yeah I think yeah I, I had the privilege of being that snobby as well do you find you like sort of quite selective about whose friends you went to yeah oh do you want to come to mine actually yeah, yeah. you're sort of volunteering your like parents to cook for mm. everyone you're like oh she won't mind like, yeah <laughs> well um if you could think of like one dish that you loved with your mum's, what, like what, if she could cook for you like this evening, what would you ask for? Oh, my mum makes this really incredible dish, which um, we didn't really have when I was younger. I think she started doing it when I was like a teenager, but it just like became a signature. Mm-hmm. And it became like the dish that my dad knew if my mum was buying the ingredients for it, 
in their weekly shop that they do together, then he would be like, oh, like, Rab's coming home for dinner this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it's a, it's a, a rack of lamb, mm-hmm. um, done pink, and she makes a um, potato and beetroot, um, like a, almost kind of like a dauphinoise. Okay. Like kind of um, sort of thin slices. Like of, yeah, yeah, yeah. With this like creamy sauce. Um, and uh, I try to think, God, I'm having a total mind bank what she serves. She serves it with something green. I don't know if it's sort of like a, what do you want to say, like a gremolata or something? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's like her her thing that if I'm coming around, mm-hmm. that's what she'll make me. That she sounds very like good. Yeah. I like um, the beetroot gratin. Mm. I do. It's so potato. good. Um, it was a hard sell for my dad. Um, oh, really? Because yeah, it involved vegetables of oh. some kind. <laughs> You've got cream in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, as soon as she made it the first time, we were all just like, damn, like, yeah, yeah you nailed it. And uh, I think she was she was loving the praise, so yeah. it just became a staple. Nice. Um, so I think that's, that's probably one. Um, and then maybe, like, a more kind of classic thing that we always had was um like a kind of like Jewish style chicken soup mm-hmm. um with the the dumplings um so sometimes I think maybe it's quite American but people call it like matzo ball soup mm-hmm. um oh is that the American name for it yeah um it's just I mean because they're they're made the dumplings are made with matzo meal which mm-hmm. is like the cracker that's been ground up into oh, a, a meal okay uh, the cracker is called a matzo uh-huh. and uh so we call them in my house, I think it's grammatically incorrect, we call them canadals. I think you're supposed to call them canadalach, but that's quite a mouthful. Um, And uh, it was one of those things that it's very much about, meant to be about the chicken and the soup, but Mm. for us, it was the dumplings. And we wanted, like, more dumpling than than (laughs) broth. (laughs) Do you you make the dumpling with chicken fat? Yes, Mm. yeah. I wanted to make it for ages. They're so really good. I didn't get a recipe I'll send you a recipe. Yeah. The recipe that I use for it is the one that my mum uses, and it's from this book that is like crumbled into many different bits. That I just have to like kind of remember what order the different <laughs> chunks of book are meant to be in. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! Yeah, it's so you know good. it's a good book when that happens. Yeah, it's just a book about like um, Jewish food. I think I want to say it's written like maybe like in the 50s or something mm-hmm. and it's actually i'm pretty sure it was written by a manchester based oh really cook. yeah cool um i think it's called uh she's called evelyn rose i think is her name mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and whenever i want to make something that i've never i've never made before and i've tried to ask my mum how to make it and she's a bit like oh you know a bit of this bit of that mm-hmm. and it's like that's not really helpful is it oh, so... <laughs> then i'll look in the book and she's your major Jaffrey. Yeah, yeah exactly evelyn's got my back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i just i just remember fighting over the dumplings so much and uh mm. um, there was a i saw a recipe that was really popular online last year and um, it was, um, I can't remember exactly where, but one of those kind of big American sort of like food journalism outlets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like BA or one of those. Right. And uh, they made a, like a Jewish style chicken soup. Mm-hmm. And um, they, most of it I thought looked, looked great. I was ready to dive in. Mm-hmm. But they did something which I consider like criminal. Okay. And uh, basically, as you've alluded to, you take the, the schmaltz or like the chicken fat from the, word the chicken soup. Yeah, it's such a Jewish word, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds so nice, though. 
Um, so you take the schmaltz and then you'd use that as the like the fat in the in the dumpling. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also need something to like rehydrate the matzah. Right. And it seems like a no-brainer. You use the the broth mm-hmm. um, to use it, and that's what you're gonna like cook it in. Yeah. Um, but in this recipe, they just use like boiling water. Oh. And then they cook them separately. What? Which even just from someone lazy that hates washing up. Yeah. I'm just, already that's a no-no. Yeah. But then if you think it's not got the flavour of the chicken yeah. soup in it. What's the so, point? That is sacrilege. <laughs> so if anyone from that is listening, um, please don't take me to court. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You can't even remember where it's yeah. from. <laughs> it was like the least personal personal attack <laughs> ever. <laughs> Also warranted. Yeah, like, deserved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. Like, one of my favourite dishes is, like, chicken chicken soup of any kind. Like, What are your, like, other bits that you put into it? Because I feel like people mm, have different... It, like, it changes. I love mm. chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. And it's very, like, from no country. Yeah. <laughs> like, egg noodles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, egg noodles parsley turmeric <laughs> like that kind of thing that's peas that's like a comfort one i also do um one with um like orzo mm, yeah i love like chicken mm. and orzo soup it's very comforting mm-hmm. um and then or like i feel like parsley because i'm normally feeling a bit down when i have it mm. parsley brings a bit of green to it and then whatever I've got in the fridge really oh fair yeah yeah like I did one often I just have the broth and no chicken because I've made chicken stock from something else so like the other night I made induya chicken stock pasta and I had a bit of cream and spinach that was actually really good yeah it sounds like it was like a brothy pasta Dish. Yeah. Just you started with Induya, so I was already yeah. ready to leap on that. <laughs> I think I said I can't remember if I said on the podcast last week the sauce, but my mum started this habit of every time she comes to visit me, she brings me Induya made on the Isle of Man. <laughs> <laughs> like literally every time, it's like three packs. So I always have very good Induya in the fridge, and it's so good when um, you like can't be bothered to cook it's such like a quick nice meal yeah it just makes everything taste like you've spent hours like stewing something yeah Um, also was not aware that was a key isle of man export (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't until till penny b um but yeah it's like this um small farm who make charcuterie on the Isle of Man called Close Lease Farm. It's a very good charcuterie mm-hmm. and they make a very good spicy and do you. Okay. Well, mm. I'm overdue a visit to the Isle of Man, yeah. so I'm going to make a pilgrimage. Be on the list <laughs> of places to go. Yeah. You seem to love to host. You had your food workshops, etc. And I think you host quite a lot now as well, do you? Yeah. Um, I think um, my friend group in general are also really into hosting mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's to be honest I don't think I host more than anyone um, that I I think we're quite good at just like reciprocating mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends are quite into food as well which right. helps um, but we, so we standards do, are high 
<laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I have quite a lot of failures, and they seem to be exactly when people are coming over. Oh no! Like I'll make this stunning dish for me and Vic, and then uh, as soon as I've got like, um, especially like a you know sort of like a, a new friendship, it's mm. like okay, like I'm on my best behaviour. I'm, <laughs> I'm meeting the parents. <laughs> the rest I'm sort of vibe, and uh, that'll always be where everything completely falls yeah. apart. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I'm quite happy as well. Like just to let Vic take over over everything mm-hmm. i like the other stuff that goes into hosting i love the like topping up people's drinks mm-hmm. i love making cocktails which i don't feel like i don't really post that much about but um, yeah you should do. Post more about oh, yeah good. i feel like it's always like a side thing oh by the way i'm having this mm-hmm. really fancy cocktail <laughs> yeah. i think like if you're if you're doing it right then it can be a main event mm-hmm. like, <laughs> i sort of went through a period recently where um I think maybe I'd had a few like mediocre meals out in a row mm-hmm. um and to be fair it was my fault because I think a lot of it was like chains and stuff right. um and I wasn't seeking out anywhere good um but um it sort of made me be like I think I much prefer going out for like fancy drinks and mm-hmm. I, if I want like something nice I'll just when I get home just like make some like really buttery toast which yeah. is perfect to be honest yeah <laughs> that's always a good go-to um so yeah I think I think maybe more cocktail content mm-hmm. should be a thing yeah mm-hmm. I also like there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of good restaurants but when you're a cook yourself you want to go somewhere that makes something that you don't often make at mm. home so yeah. like which for me is cocktails yeah like I don't yeah. often I don't have the like array of spirits <laughs> you need to make good cocktails at home but like often I'll go out for dinner and I'll be like oh I can make this better yeah you know I mean? whereas yeah I agree like if you go out for fancy cocktails it feels like a treat and mm-hmm. yeah and I love to see people putting like absolutely everything into a tiny little cup mm-hmm. like you know people I went to this like gorgeous place the other day um, called Speaking Code. I saw that yeah. on Instagram. It looks so good. It was gorgeous. I'd been the I'd been like a couple of days before, and, <laughs> and when I got there, the guy was like, "Same table," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes, but I'm with other people." <laughs> yeah. Um, but the drinks are like insane. Like I had this um, it was a shiitake mushroom Ooh. bourbon with corn puree and sunflower seed vermouth. Whoa! And it came with this like licorice cracker on top. Um, it was like so grown That's up, so yeah. Cool. Um, and all the people that worked there were just like amazing. They were like knew their menu inside out. Mm-hmm. They're so passionate about all the drinks, and I think they they serve them, but also make them, which I think is a really nice okay. touch yeah. as well. Because um, it just feels like they're really everyone's really part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, super recommend. Nice. Um, and I would just never make something like that myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, and I feel like I do have. Well, I've got, like, an annoying array of, like, half-opened bottles of things mm-hmm. to the point that, like, I've been saying to my friends, one weekend we're going to have an amnesty where people come over and we just commit to drinking things that are already <laughs> opened and we'll just, like, we'll get all the films on, like, Devil Wears Prada nice. and stuff like that and we'll just commit to being locked in a room for a whole weekend <laughs> drinking Until odds and ends. the bits yeah. are gone. <laughs> That sounds fun. Yeah, if a little, like, damaging to the liver. But... <laughs> I don't think about that. Yeah. Um, I quite like using bits like that, like, in food. Mm. But, um, or, like, my granny, I feel like my granny uses a lot of spirits, like, in baking. Like, it's not actually, in recipes you don't often get it, but she always has, like, a teaspoon of um, maraschino, which is, like, a cherry. Oh, yeah. 
What would she yeah. use? What sort of thing would she put that in? Um, so she makes these biscuits called, um, uh, I can see it in my head. I'm going to get the book out now. <laughs> Is this like, uh, like Granny's book of recipes? Yeah. <gasps> Guard it with your life. Like. <laughs> um, does that come on? Sucarini. Mm-hmm. I'd say love the sound of your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the biscuits she puts the maraschino in is called succarini, mm-hmm. um, which are like a, um, it's kind of hard to describe them. They, they're just like a nice buttery biscuit, but then you obviously got the maraschino in and she puts rose liqueur as well. Mm. And then when they come out of the oven, you do like a lemon, um, thing on top and then sprinkle loads of icing sugar. Oh, sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, and then she makes crustily, which are like a deep fried biscuit. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very cool. And then she, she puts rum in those. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds she fun. She drink loads of alcohol, but she just puts it in everything. Um, but yeah, quite a nice way to use odds and ends. Um, do you have, when you're cooking for people you love, do you have a certain dish that you like to make or? Um... Oh, I'm not really sure, actually. I think I've definitely got ones where, which I think is almost sort of like antithetical for, to cooking for love, but I've got ones that are, I think are show-offy, mm-hmm. um, and I'll do those. Um, and then maybe a bit further down the line, that's when I will make someone like delicious, like brown slop, which mm-hmm. is my favourite type of food, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Um, but um, certainly like when I, was, when I was at university and I had kind of got into my stride more of cooking... I think I maybe like got known for making um, like dim sum dishes, mm. um, which part of the, that was because uh, I, I dated someone who was uh, from Hong Kong for mm. like years, and I used to go there and stuff. Um, otherwise, I would never have known how to make yeah. that stuff. Um, but uh, I think that was like a that was like a really nice way for me to like celebrate a new skill with people, mm-hmm. um, and I did really enjoy that. Um, Whereas I think now probably my my thing that I make when I'm like trying to win someone over mm-hmm. and anyone that listens to this that's came to my house recently will have had it <laughs> is I make these like uh, like steamed buns and then I I made it literally a couple of days ago um, and I like uh, panny like slices of oyster mushroom and aubergine mm. and I fry them and then I make this like kind of spicy nut sauce oh. to go like in the in the bun. Um, sounds so, so like a bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, it's just something I made um, as like a little trial thing one day. And I was like, this is a little bundle of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I made them when we were in lockdown over Christmas. Well, not lockdown, quarantine. Um, mine weren't that poofy. Okay. So I feel like, I don't know. It was really cold in the house. Right. So I don't know if the dough rised enough. Maybe. maybe. I am. Um, I kind of, as standard, do overnight proof in the fridge um, now. Um, there we go. Which I think um, I started doing it because, um, especially like with my work, like I never had time to get dinner ready for people for me coming home in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to like cut out steps or yeah. or do things like that. But actually, um, and I'm sure like anyone that actually knows about bread science is going to say this is absolute rubbish. <laughs> but when I when I like proof things normally sometimes it just like seems a bit uneven whereas mm-hmm. when I do an overnight proof in the fridge for like basically any dough 
now that it's my standard, I feel like it just looks so even. Okay. Um, so I wonder if maybe just because it's like a slow rise, mm-hmm. if that's I think, part of it. I mean, I also am not a <laughs> bread scientist. But... <laughs> Is that a job? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, they call themselves bakers. <laughs> um, um, but I think flour does respond better to slow slowness. Mm. Like, obviously bread making now is often all about speed um but yeah bread like i think flour does respond to rising Mm. more slowly um so that kind of makes sense but okay yeah overnight proof for the bowel Mm. um that sounds really good what's what's your like uh go to someone's coming over I don't know if I've just forgotten because of lockdown. Um, I love making fresh pasta. Oh, yeah. And you can't do it for lots of people, but I think it's people always find it a bit of a treat. Yeah. And then you, even, you can just do a simple sauce if you've not got lots of time. Or I do love doing like a... Um, like a nice ragu. Oh, like a sort of um, like a kind of shredded meat type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like yeah. uh, I did andouille again, andouille <laughs> foxtail and olive ragu. Olive. Mm. What? What? Is, what is the olive like? Um, is it? Is it like chopped really finely as part of the sauce, or not too finely? Like... like you, like roughly chopped. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. They do kind of melt into it, mm. but then you will get like a chunk. And then I do like orange slices as well in the ragu, mm. so it's kind of a yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's quite a good yeah. one actually. But okay. yeah, that's my. It's like comforting, but also a treat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like nice and like wintry as well. Mm. Like, yeah. I often struggle to think of dishes in the summer because <laughs> all of mine are like comfort wintry food. <laughs> I don't know. But then in the summer, you get to just do like the absolute minimum amount yeah, of effort for true. everything, which is great. Because mm. um, I'll just like chuck things together and be like, this is a salad. Mm-hmm. And Vic will be like, I don't think that counts. <laughs> <laughs> We've just got bits on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, in- that's the ingredient. <laughs> um, that's funny. So you're saying you're a doctor and you do weird shifts. What's your like if you come back from a long shift and it's just you fixing bed and you need some comfort food. You mentioned buttery toast earlier, <laughs> but do you have anything other like comfort food that you would cook just for yourself? Yeah, I think like the most important thing is that I get a gallon of tea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tea straight into the veins. Yeah. yeah. I think we're quite lucky in that we usually have like bits in the fridge, like um because uh, like we both hate throwing food, mm-hmm. and so I feel like we at any time have enough things like you can Frankenstein a meal. Nice. So I am. Um, there will always be mummy's rotli in the fridge. Mm-hmm. There will always be little odds and ends of different like vegetarian curries. Um, and if there's none of that, then I like quite easily would make myself. I would call it like antipasti. It's not. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Slices of any cheese we have. Yeah. And. I honestly eat so many cornichons. Mm. Like it's a, it's like becoming an issue. Um, people are sort of commenting on it. <laughs> <laughs> JP um, doesn't like them, so if we have them in the house, I'll eat them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like you know they're not going to go off, but yeah. it still feels like it's a shame they're just there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so like I drive-by uh, fridge yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's dangerous. So yeah. I feel like yeah. So I think um, if I can Frankenstein a dish of different vegetarian curries that are mm-hmm. already cooked in the fridge, um, then I'll I'll be like reaching for like crackers, cheese. I like a like a slab of butter, like nice. a on the on the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, or you are Scottish. So. <laughs> yeah, I went to this. Um, I went to my friend's wedding in Northern Ireland recently, and uh, also Ireland's a very pro butter mm-hmm. place, as we all should be. Mm-hmm. And um, we're at the wedding brunch, and you know, just sort of had like kind of bits and pieces out, and they had like bits of toast and butter, mm-hmm. and it was I could already tell it was going to be good, like Irish butter. Mm-hmm. So I'm there just gonna Irish butter is so good. What are they putting in I it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, I I'm I'm definitely not spreading it, it's just a superior butter. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm just kind of doing my thing with the Irish butter. Mm-hmm. And uh Mother of the Bride, who's this like really like amazing Northern Irish lady, came up to me and she looked at what I was eating and she was like, Son, with the amount of butter you've got on that toast, there must be some Irish in you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> can, can I apologise to like the whole nation of Ireland for that accent? <laughs> I was like, is he going to go for it? Yes, yes, he did it. Um, that was good. So yeah, um, I definitely like as part of any plate, there would have to be like a, a blob of yeah. butter that I don't really have a plan for. I wasn't going to spread it on anything. I'm just sort mm. of going to take little bits of it. And... Nice. <laughs> um, when I was in Ireland, um, someone said to me that if you're putting butter on a scone if you bite into it and you can't see your teeth marks you haven't got enough on there <laughs> <laughs> that's the like standard <laughs> but i love that yeah uh, I don't know. it's very it's very mean girls but it's like i love the idea of using butter as the carb like butter <laughs> butter is the substance like yeah. it's not a spread like yeah. <laughs> um, that's funny. Hmm. yeah i like a like picky tea Especially mm. if you're just on your own and you just like yeah. need to sing on the couch or whatever. Mm. I don't know. Love I loved all those like um I feel like there were so many like memes in the summer about um when it was hot weather of people just being like, um, I'm just doing picky bits for tea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I love that. I don't I don't actually think I had that. Like, no, uh, we didn't but, have uh, it ever. Yeah, so. it was it was never hot on the Isle of Man or Scotland. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is true, yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, now I'm here, I'm like, yeah, I'm living for this picky mm-hmm. tea. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... It's basically, can't be bothered to cook, what do we have in the fridge, mm-hmm. on a plate, yeah. Then blame it on the weather. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've chatted loads. But um, <laughs> what does cooking for love mean to you? Oh, goodness. Um, I think, uh, I think maybe it's about, like, the intention. Um, so uh, when you're, like, cooking for love it's like you're you're giving someone like a message in the food um so I think I feel like Vic cooks for love for me quite a lot because he makes things that um make me feel really good after a really stressful day and make me feel really nourished um and when I am cooking for love for him um then I'm trying to um I know he's really like excited by by new foods and flavors and I'm trying to like sort of intensely trying to give him something that I know he wants but he mm-hmm. doesn't know how to say it mm-hmm. um and my mum was always cooking for love just because that's who she is mm-hmm. and for her it's that she's uh she's uh she's caring for us and so I think it's I guess the intention mm-hmm. um it's definitely not the presentation yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
and uh, sometimes I think with Molly that's kind of nice because uh, I feel like it's so ingredient and like labor intensive that um, you are just putting like a bit of yourself into it mm-hmm. um, and uh, that comes across when you're eating it as well um, that wasn't a very succinct answer but <laughs> no it's lovely I love that like I haven't thought of it like that but it's the intention mm-hmm. that's a really lovely way to put it because it sums up the like feeling behind it mm-hmm. like you there's a reason why I'm doing this yeah I'm kind of showing you yeah oh that's really lovely <laughs> I feel like that's quite a nice place to end it. Mm. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so lovely. Yeah, I feel no. like we could chat for ages <laughs> about food, but know, <laughs> right after the recording, we're just going to be like, right now, let's compare notes on where to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm going to ask you for that um, Juris chicken soup recipe. Oh yeah, please. Or better yet, I'll make it for you. Aww, <laughs> yeah. Tell me when you next have a cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you. Thanks very much mm. for having me. <laughs> thank you for listening to Cooking for Love, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think this is the most we've laughed on here, and I didn't realise food was so funny. Uh, make sure to follow Rab on at Rab Cooks on Instagram and I am just starting on this podcasting journey as you know so it would be amazing if you subscribed, reviewed and shared the podcast. You can also follow me on at Cooking for Love Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to share your Cooking for Love stories email cookingforlove at gmail.com and I may share them in future episodes. I hope you have a great week and see you next time.